Hi, Soul Babe. How's it going? This is Three Venus, Life with Three Venus. And here we talk about how to empower yourself, uplift yourself, and awaken yourself to your true identity, which is love, right? So if you're dealing with the inner critic, the uh, inner doubt, disempowering stories that lead you to spiral into negativity, you're in the right place. And I have a special guest for you today. His name is Dan Domiel. And Dan is the Mind Body Mastery mentor. He is a martial scientist with a mind-body mastery mentor. He has a bachelor's degree in math and physics, a black belt in Kung Fu Sun Tzu, and a master's certificate in 18 Lohan Palms Qigong. I probably butchered that. But since his first spiritual awakening in 2004, he has dedicated his life to understanding the secrets of flow states and optimal human performance. He helps ambitious professionals and aspiring high performers to optimize their mind, body, and energy system, break through stress and burnout, and actualize your your full potential. So we have Dan here on the line, and thank you so much, Dan, for taking, uh, you know, time out of your busy schedule. I know you had um, a client just before this, so I appreciate you and the Soul, Soul Babe tribe. Uh, thanks you because I know you're gonna share some wisdom from your path so far uh, on earth and speaking of how's that been so far since you entered the portal on earth <laughs> well uh, actually we had such a great time talking uh, before I, I was actually really excited and looking forward to this so I'm really happy to be here and talk about some of my favorite topics yeah, yeah. So we actually, um, I connected with Dan through a networking uh, program. And it turns out that we actually, um, he used to live at the community that I now live in. And we had a great conversation a few days ago. And I'm just like, he's he's been, you know, when someone's energy just sticks with you. And I knew that we had to co-create. So I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and just like to clarify, not too specific, but it's like, it turns out like uh, a couple, like six, seven uh, years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, something like that. Like I lived in this one particular house in San Diego, and for uh, for a while, and uh, and then I just happened to uh, randomly run into you networking and. Uh, oh, where do you live? Oh, really? There? Oh, <laughs> and it turns out you actually live at that particular house. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, really incredible synchronicity uh, <laughs> right off the bat. Um, and then it, it turns out we both have uh, a passion and love of swords mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and and uh, lots of great synchronicity. So I to me synchronicity is synchronicities are I'm I'm always delighted but never surprised the synchronicities they happen so often so frequently when I meet people synchronicities you know you can never predict exactly what it's going to be but there's always some kind of synchronicity about almost everyone that you meet if you if you're uh if you're if you're tuned into that frequency for somebody who doesn't know what synchronicity is what would how would you describe it to them meaningful coincidence Mm -hmm. 
uh, is like the simplest. It could you could get a lot more metaphysical about it, but basically it's just like some kind of like coincidence that seems you know that seems meaningful. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so, coincidence. <laughs> yeah. So for people, I know we we d- talked about this uh, a few days ago, but for people who are getting to know you, how did you get started in um, mind body mastery? And why are you doing it? What's your purpose? Your intention? Well, what I am doing now is basically what I've been led to do through life experience, through a series of spiritual awakenings. The universe has kind of revealed my path to me. And this is where it's led. Um, and mind body mastery really grew out of two, in particular, significant awakenings. The first of which, in which I realized I had no idea that I had no idea how to use my body properly. And I thought I did, like I had uh, a black belt and I was in really good shape and I studied multiple martial arts, but I realized for the first time that I had no idea, that I had no idea how to actually use my body properly. And when I first started to learn that, how to actually use my body properly, that was, Uh, that was the beginning of my personal mind-body mastery journey. And then the second awakening was when I realized for the first time that I had no idea that I had no idea how to use my brain properly. And (laughs) once again, it was very humbling because I thought I did. I had, I had a, a degree in math and physics. I'd gone to graduate school. I thought I, uh, knew how to use my brain pretty well. And uh, it turns out I was um, really drastically underusing uh, uh, my potential, my brain's potential. Um, and, and so that was the beginning of learning how to actually use my brain properly. Um, and so those two overall sets of skills, how to use your body specifically your mind your your body breath and mind together to regulate your state to manage the overall state of your mind body energy system is what i call the internal path of mind body mastery in other words the the path of state management Mm -hmm. The ability to use your brain effectively to manage the flow of information and action decisions through your life, a.k.a. executive functioning, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the fine art of deciding what to do and then doing it, Mm -hmm. is what I call the external path of mind-body mastery. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it turns out that both are very significant. You have to be able to both manage your state effectively in order to perform at your best and you need to be able to uh to engage in long-term planning and and decision making and 
to follow through uh, effectively on plans that have been made in order to fully realize your potential as a human being and really just to be a fully functional uh, functioning digital citizen in the modern age in which we are all living through a, a flood of information and um, that uh, that we're always forced to deal with just as a, uh, a necessity of, of living and and um, especially if you if we are making our own way in life in some form as an entrepreneur solopreneur or artist or creative or something something other than the traditional employment model which i don't know if you notice is kind of <laughs> uh evolving mm-hmm. we'll just say. um so uh yeah the uh mind body master is really about uh developing the skills and mastery in, in both the internal state management skills and the external information management skills at the same time yeah um so i want to go back to your spiritual awakening so how did you uh, and you said you had two right did i hear that right yeah yeah those were the two main ones so, so i know one of them was just I, I believe you explained it uh when we spoke last spoke about how you were doing your qigong practices and you kind of had an expansion moment was the other one dark did you end up in a dark place at one moment and how did you, if you did how did you um motivate or or uh lean in into decision making because when you're in a dark space you know it's it's easy to just fall into your mind how did you train yourself to come back into your body okay well uh (laughs) so (laughs) that touches on a few things uh so let me expand the picture just a little bit um these two uh events these two spiritual awakenings that i mentioned um they were both very positive and even euphoric uh Mm -hmm. events um and the first one was triggered by yeah by exposure to qigong uh which i can uh talk more about if you want the second one was triggered by exposure to a uh a book uh getting things done actually an audio book like a recording um uh getting things done is the name of a book in a whole body of work by a guy named david allen it's basically the modern day bible of personal organization and productivity and mm-hmm. and he's also a martial artist actually he's a karate guy and he works that in like like uh, karate metaphors and and stuff so <laughs> um <clears throat> that like that was actually what triggered the second uh major spiritual awakening of my life the first time that i listened to it um but uh there um there have been other events and one of them well so i i told you we'd <laughs> circle back around to uh, this term spiritual emergency mm-hmm. spiritual crisis, but the, term, the term is actually spiritual emergency 
Okay, no crisis. Okay. Yeah. Um, the term spiritual emergency was coined by Stan Groff, who is the grandfather of transpersonal psychology. Uh, are you familiar with his his work at all? What is his name again? Stan Groff. No. Um, what he, kind uh, of psychology? What kind of psychology did you say he is? He, he's the grandfather of transpersonal psychology. And I, mm-hmm. I'll just say, uh, anybody who wants to uh, look into Stan, you can... Uh, it's, it's Stanislav Graf is his name, but you can, I'm pretty sure it's stangroff.com or something very much like that. And you can look him up uh, on YouTube. He's got tons of videos and uh, he's got tons of books. They're all great. Uh, um, but he, uh, so transpersonal psychology is, uh, the study of experiences of being something well of, of experiences other than the isolated individual ego self identity so this is a broad catch-all category but it, but it includes things like um uh, uh past life experiences uh out of body experiences um, experiences of, of transcendence, of identifying with all that is, with the grand totality of being, or or with a particular plant or animal species, or with uh, um, extraterrestrial or angelic uh, or other types of archetypal beings or realms. Um, to uh, identifying with uh, stellar objects like black holes or quasars or galaxies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so this whole so how so that's transpersonal psychology broadly speaking. So how the reason I, I I brought up Stan Groff is um, this term, he, he coined this term spiritual, spiritual emergency. Uh, and the way that he got started was he was actually one of the original psychoanalysts in Prague in the 1950s to experiment with LSD assisted psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, through uh, doing that work for uh, about uh, a decade, uh, he developed a the most comprehensive map of the human psyche developed to date that transcends and includes Freud's and Jung's maps of the psyche and kind of ties them together and expands upon them. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know it's pretty cool, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, uh, and 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 most people don't know about it. <laughs> uh, uh, but so 
that um, he he uh, he actually went on from that uh, to develop uh, a form of breathwork known as holotropic breathwork, which <laughs> has often been described as being like an acid trip without the acid. Hmm. And um, he. Uh, he started an organization called the uh, I think it's the the Spiritual Emergence Network uh, I believe um, actually to to help people who undergo this experience of what he called spiritual emergency which is where basically uh spiritual awakenings of various types and dimensions and intensities occur uh, in different people's lives at different times. And we, we talked about this before. It's kind of like an opening of a portal. It's kind of like the 98 to 99% of information that Uh, of incoming sensory data and information and impressions that comes in through the nervous system and gets filtered out in the brainstem by the reticular activating system and doesn't reach conscious awareness. It's like all that information starts to actually reach you. Uh, So it's, it's like an opening of a portal of awareness or perception in a very literal sense. Mm-hmm. And there's there's various factors to this, and it can happen for different people at different times for different reasons. But the underlying thing is that depending on how a p- person is positioned in their life, it can be a very positive, even euphoric experience. Depending on how a person is positioned in their life and the influencing factors around them, it can be a very positive euphoric uh, experience. It can be a very challenging but cathartic and healing experience, um, or it can be a, a, a traumatizing and paralyzing experience. And can, uh, depending on like who the person is surrounded by and the kind of mentality, it can be perceived as being pathological in some form and and Stan was really concerned about the incidents like in his like work as a uh, a, a psychiatrist um, both in in Europe and in the US he um, worked uh, he, he was uh, at the Baltimore um, uh, medical uh, psychiatric hospital uh, for a long time and he was concerned about the incidents of people who were um, who were being uh, medicated and or committed to institutions when what they really needed was a spiritual counselor mm. to help them work through and process. Um, and so uh, basically th- this term spiritual emergency refers to A when 
when a person has a has a spiritual awakening of some kind, it's a spontaneous spiritual awakening, meaning it's not brought on by any kind of practice. They're not like doing vipassana or sitting in meditation or you know like anything. They, it just kind of like happens, but kind of out of nowhere. For <laughs> uh, and and they're not positioned well, and it and it manifests as an episode of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and, and, and I bring all this up to say, uh, I, uh, I did have at least one, uh, episode that falls in that category, possibly two. I had two episodes where I, uh, I was, uh, well, I had one episode where I was intensely suicidal mm-hmm. and I had a later episode where I, experienced a manic depressive phase meaning I was manic for a period of time and then I crashed into a uh, a deep suicidal depression mm-hmm. um, and there were very actually very specific takeaways that I got from each of those experiences <laughs> that I think uh get to kind of the spirit of what you were asking about. Now, this might seem like a really long tangent, but I'm I'm actually trying Mm -hmm. to lay some groundwork for answering your question in as complete a way as I can, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to dive deeper into like how you integrated your your shadow body how you met your your darkness your um uh what society teaches us to reject because in a lot of people at least i'll speak from my own experience when i notice that i reject or resist the dark parts within me i find that i I experience more turmoil within my psyche but when i love them unconditionally and integrate them i feel wholer and i feel more peace and when i do stuff like uh, breath work, you know, and when these stuff come up, I feel more, um, it's not like a surprise. It's not something I'm running away from. I, I don't drink, um, to numb anymore. It's most of, uh, to enjoy. Um, but I'm, I'm aware of the shadows. I'm not, I'm not trying to run away from them. And I know you talk more about that. And I know, um, um, this guy, Stan, um, with spiritual emergency, I believe that's it's it's us meeting our shadow body and not knowing what to do with it because society teaches us that we need to be super pure or we need to think one way. Like life is blue, um, black and white. Yeah. So sure. how do you well, integrate those? Yeah. So <clears throat> in, in relation to that I, I actually <laughs> I did have a very distinct experience of, of confronting a dark entity that was or entities that were sort of assaulting me psychically um, but the way that the way that it evolved was there was the the first experience was actually so it was after 
uh, after both of, of these uh, two uh, initial experiences, which were primarily positive and euphoric, uh, there was a time when I it was it was relatively short. It was it was about three days, but three days can seem like a really long time when you are obsessing about how to kill yourself mm. which um i i just uh i had uh i had effectively self-isolated in a lot of ways and i just woke up one day and was and couldn't stop thinking about this and i kept obsessing about it and thinking about it to the point where i realized I would either have to go through with it mm-hmm. or stop thinking about it entirely because it was becoming obsessive and I wasn't mm-hmm. able to function or like do anything else. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> what it it felt like it was just I could have tossed a coin and it could have gone 50-50 and I would have been fine either way, but I felt like what tipped tipped, <laughs> tipped me back uh, away from the edge just a little bit was a different kind of obsession in that I'm the kind of person who, or, or at least I, I was the kind of person who would finish a bad book or watch a bad movie all the way to the end just to see how it ends mm-hmm. and so I kind of took that perspective on my life like if if this is a movie I just I might as well just like watch watch it all the way and watch it till the end and mm-hmm. and I realized logically like I kind of like logic to my way out of this I realized logically okay well if I'm going to go on living then I need to have a reason to go on living something to dedicate my life to that doesn't have to do with personal gratification because personal gratification can come and go and it doesn't have to do with relationships because relationships can cause pain uh, as much as they can create pleasure and fulfillment and that doesn't have to anything to do with personal achievement or advancement because uh, that uh, that may or may not come to pass uh, personal recognition um, and so I realized that I well I chose to dedicate my life to the study of objective truth through the the realm of, of math and physics or math and science and the study of movement through qigong tai chi internal martial arts and and other movement arts which is just based on timeless and universal principles of physics and physiology and just having a body mm-hmm and writing which is just a matter of having a voice and a 
and a perspective and being able to express and express ideas. So I, I decided then and there to dedicate my life to those pursuits, regardless of what may or may not happen. I'll just choose to live for those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I stopped thinking about killing myself and uh, and didn't anymore mm-hmm. until uh, the, the next episode, which was several years later, <laughs> which um, this, this actually was while I was uh, living in the house <laughs> that you're living in now that this, uh, this happened. Oh, um, wow. I, I was at this time, this was actually, so this time I was, I had actually, I had studied, uh, I found out about and, and, and learned and studied Stan's work and I, uh, did an online course with him and I went to, uh, um, uh, I ended up, uh, attending like a, a, a breath workshop, uh, facilitated by him. Um, uh, so, so when this, uh, fourth episode happened I was uh familiar with Stan's work and the the idea of spiritual emergency so I was able to have have somewhat of an objective perspective on what was happening otherwise it probably could have been a lot worse um but I experienced this intense intense mania for a couple of weeks where uh, I was envisioning uh, really grandiose plans and at a certain point uh, and, and by mania I like I'm using this term I didn't I actually didn't recognize it as that when I was going through it but when I like afterwards that I've read about the characteristics of mania I realized that's what it was and I was just like extremely energetic like getting by on very little or any sleep um Mm -hmm. continually rushing and racing and 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 making grandiose plans uh and um and uh I realized that's what it was like I'd never exhibited characteristics of or been diagnosed as bipolar or anything like that I just read the description of mania and then realized oh that's what that was um and then Wait, can you before you exp- you go further can you uh em- emphasize what's the difference between grandiose grandiose uh plans and being ambitious what's the difference uh what you mean like where do you draw the line between ambitious and grandi and, and grandiose yeah Ambitious is uh, within the realm of feasibility, mm-hmm. of doability. Grandiose is beyond the realm of of feasibility by any rational estimation. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. <clears throat> 
there was there's a few weeks of that and then there was a crash where um i like i uh i i first had a suicidal thought and i got really concerned because i remembered how quickly it had come on last time and just kind of taken the whole and I was, as I said, I'd, I'd studied Stan's work and I'd uh, done a lot more uh, work with like altered states um, of various kinds. And so I was able to uh, I was able to go into a state where I, I kind of like open myself on the Uh, on the the astral plane, on the psychic level, I close my eyes and just put my awareness out outwards, and I, I I recognize an experience that I was under attack by, or like being assaulted or uh, vampirized in some form by dark entities. And, um, I even, I even called a psychic at one point, uh, and, and said this and, and she said something like, well, everyone has dark entities, uh, like circling around them. Like the, uh, the question is like, how are you going to, uh, like, respond to that basically like how are you gonna like be but are you gonna let it affect you or not <laughs> um and what i did was i put out a call on all levels all dimensions all realms to any and all spirit guides teachers healers guardian angels uh any beings who might uh come in the name of peace and love to my assistance kind of a psychic distress beacon mm-hmm. and <clears throat> what i experienced experience is the best way i can put it somewhere between seeing feeling perceiving um a circle of angels came and and surrounded me on the astral plane and like put down this like kind of like sphere of protection around me uh, and pushed back and and held off the forces of darkness that were encroaching kind of just like this psychic barrier around me and the message that came through from them, which it was not like words exactly, it was kind of just like thoughts, impressions, images, but it was very clear, was we've got you covered on this plane. Now it's your job to do what you came there to do. Mm. That was what they said. So, is this where you met the? the it, 
is this on this plane where you knew that your uh, dark entities were using your energy? How did you know they were dark entities and not just your mind? How how can you differentiate between you and external entities? Well, for some people, that would probably be very easy for me. Uh, as I told you when we talked before, I grew up as a rational materialistic atheist in the Bible Belt with no concept of spiritual consciousness whatsoever. And I was very like rational, analytical in my thinking and skeptical and kind of like rejected anything supernatural or uh, spiritual or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And, and I think so, like, in a way that kind of created a sort of a blind spot to me to something that like some people would be obvious, but when there are enough signs around you, like one thing is like certain people that I would meet that I would notice that were like very sensitive, like they would tell me that they would say certain things that like about my energy or about energy like energy that was, that was attached to me uh like it it like certain people like i encountered were kind of like the canary in the coal mine i guess mm-hmm. like oh like these like really sensitive people who <laughs> keep saying like there's something there maybe there's something there mm. so it was like a like a deep knowing well, no, that's, <laughs> it, I mean, it was not something I could directly perceive myself, but like, I kept like seeing these clues mm. and it was kind of like a, a preponderance of evidence after a while. And when, uh, when I, when I became experienced, when I, like what actually really helped me was what actually, I guess. To get more to like directly to answer to your question, like what actually helped me perceive these things more directly and like put out, go through the process I was describing of kind of like putting out the astral distress call and perceiving this scene that I told you of the the white light forces coming and projecting a barrier around me and 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 holding off the the dark entities. Um, what uh, allowed me to perceive uh, in that dimension was working with altered states, uh, primarily with the help of plant medicines and breathwork, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. secondarily. But um, there's what one one way of describing it if 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 anybody listening to this has uh worked significantly with psychedelics or plant medicines or sacraments um such as uh uh mushrooms or similar things um 
there's like a certain when 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 you become experienced working with with those kind of things there's a certain dimension of reality that you perceive that uh uh that i like to call hyperspace where it's kind of like when you open your eyes you can see what's around you but when you close your eyes it's like you're in a, another dimension and you can see this whole other space around you um oh yeah i see it yeah yeah um mm -hmm. so it was like uh plant medicine psychedelics uh kind of like got me familiar with the phenomenon of dipping in and out of hyperspace to a point where kind of like his training wheels in a sense to like be able to consciously to some degree at any time to kind of like dip in or out of that or to to get more deeply into it through um uh mind body kind of techniques regulating body breath and mind um mm -hmm. Uh, through deep meditation, uh, relaxation, breath work, uh, exercise, mind-body practices. Um, so, uh, and that and like studying and 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 being familiar with uh, Stan Grof's work. That's why I mentioned him because like, when, like when I when I studied his work, it really. Uh, just expanded my horizons uh, dramatically with with regard to this kind of phenomenon. Phenomenon. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And um, so, is that how you like uh, help uh, people? Because I know you uh, you help your clients through your um, mind body mastery activation sessions and flow shops. Is that how you help them to move through stagnancy and stuck densities? And I know you also help people with who are dealing with burnout or mental exhaustion, low energy, people who are feeling numb and disconnected from themselves. Is that the process you take them through? <clears throat> that would not be the starting point. Um, essentially, uh, the way that I help people is looking at the mind body energy system of the individual there are certain elements that need to be in place in order for a, a person to be functioning optimally so um we start off, we look at those elements, like are you have the elements in place in terms of uh, sleep and uh, diet and movement and um, do you have, um, uh, are there, uh, are there issues with your environment or your relationships um, uh, that are that are causing stress or, or distress. Um, we look mm -hmm. at the, all the, the baseline elements of like what would need to be in place. Kind of like if you have a plant uh, that you're growing, you know, it needs, uh, it needs soil, it needs nutrients, it needs water, it needs warmth, it needs sunlight. 
you know, all and if, and if it has those things, it'll thrive. If it doesn't have those things, it, it'll be stunted. So um, we look at those elements uh, first, and uh, and and optimize those things as much as possible, so that you can have uh, you can have healthy healthy soil to flourish in. Um, and then uh, we look at okay, so how are you dealing with the overall flow of information and action decisions to your life? Do you have uh, huge backlogs built up um, of uh, things that uh, that need to be done but are continually being neglected or do you have like 5,000 unopened emails in your inbox uh, um, where are the where are the bottlenecks to the flow of information, um, and uh, and where are the systems uh, and habits for following through uh, and and processing and taking action on relevant information? Mm. Uh, this is all what I refer to as a person's distributed cognition ecosystem. Well. Okay. What the in in uh, getting things done, GTD. The idea is you've got to have a trusted system outside your head for keeping track of things and reminding you to take the appropriate action at the appropriate time, so that you can use your brain for having ideas instead of holding on to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, That requires not just the external system, the digital tools, the paper tools, the calendar, and the project manager and all the whatever uh, but also the habits of review and maintenance and execution in other words you not only collect ideas and information as they're coming in but you review them you process and you move them through you decide what action to take and then you schedule the action and then follow through with the action as scheduled as planned that that's an interplay of systems and habits you know there's no system that will do all that for you Uh, there's a system that can make that easy for you to do but it's still Mm -hmm. uh habits that you have to do you have to work to uh to process the information flowing through your life and make and uh follow through on action decisions if you want to be uh, an uh, an autonomous agent in the world. If you just want to be, it's kind of the difference between being a coconut drifting uh, at the mercy of the wind and currents and everything on the ocean. The matrix, yeah. <laughs> uh, versus versus being a, a, a sailing ship, still at the mercy of the wind and the currents and the chaotic forces and everything, but. By changing its internal orientation and structure, is able to navigate to any point on the globe. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you're finding out who you naturally are and using it to your advantage, so that when you you get out of your flow state, or when reality taps you out of your flow state, you have systems to navigate to help you come back into your natural flow state. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, I and you you brought it back around to flow states. This actually relates to how these these internal and external paths uh, interrelate. But just just to come full circle, uh, 
with with the thought you were asking like how do i help people so uh there's the there's the um mind body energy system the mind body dashboard diagnostic we look at like you know what are your living conditions and how do we optimize those mm-hmm. uh which is both environmental systems and things as well as habits of course and then we look at your distributed cognition ecosystem how do you process the flow of information um and uh and and get that uh functional mm-hmm. and then we look at uh Uh, there's actually a process for identifying and replacing limiting beliefs wherever they may arise. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then we look at, okay, what are your long-term goals, your big picture vision, ideal outcome for the life you'd like to have, and how do we break those goals down into sub-goals and milestones and projects and sub-projects and all the way down to individual next actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's... Uh, <laughs> to summarize that whole arc of like, uh, how do I help people? What do I do with my clients? That's mm-hmm. the overall like coaching process in a nutshell. Um, but uh, circling back to, okay, so the flow state thing. Um, the internal and the external are both essential. And one thing I realized early on uh getting into the coaching world is that pretty much all coaching of any kind has these four universal steps of visioneering getting clear on the ideal outcome strategizing uh reverse engineering backwards in time to develop an actionable plan mm-hmm. um actioneering which is putting systems in place to uh to follow through to to uh, keep you on track mm-hmm. and belief change which is identifying and replacing limiting beliefs mm-hmm. but what i also realized is that pretty much all coaching focuses either on the internal strategies of mindset and inner game and kind of like woo woo law of attraction Sort of mm-hmm. stuff. or the external approach of take these steps in this particular order to get this particular result mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh the internal and the external are both essential mm-hmm. uh to support each other they're interdependent and and the reason why is this and it has to do with flow states actually because it's exactly as you said um you have to design uh systems to keep you on track and to keep you in state and that's because if you uh uh if your uh state management skills your the internal path of state management skills your your ability to regulate body breath and mind and manage state your state management skills are really good um but your long-term planning and decision-making skills are non-existent uh you can be uh uh you can be a, a zen master you can be a, a yogi you can be a, a monk you can be whatever but eventually life will catch up with you and impinge on your sphere to such a degree that even your amazing state 
management skills will be uh, tested to their limits. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's actually like uh, uh, Gwenka, the the Vipassana teacher. He he actually said there like there was this class of, of wandering like holy men back in in Gotama's day, where they would just like walk across the countryside and they would never ask for anything but people would recognize them as holy men and they would just give them food but they were never allowed to ask for anything he said if you did it today you'd starve to death (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and then on, on the other hand you can have the best state management skills in the world or I'm sorry, you, you have the best uh, you have the best plans and systems in the world. But if you don't have the uh, ability to direct your focus and to manage the state of your mind body energy system to perform at your best when you need to, and to uh, and, and to follow through with the plans and and the systems that you developed, then the best plans and systems in the world won't do you any good. Mm. You don't have, in other words, like the discipline, which which I have a different definition of than most people. But if you don't if you don't have the 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 discipline, where it's all to direct your mind, body, energy system, and to manage your state well enough to follow those plans and systems. They won't do any good. So, they uh, each one actually supports the other. And and David Allen, uh, as I mentioned, he's a martial artist. He talks about a mind like water, mm. uh, and and kind of alludes to this. Like what most people think of as meditation is like you sit still and think about nothing, right? And then people like <laughs> sit down. They've got and their brain is doing what it's supposed to do, which is to. Um, is to take in uh, information from the environment, process it, and stuff that's relevant and that needs action, and and, and then like get your attention about it. And mm-hmm. it's constantly doing that with stuff all the time, you know. And then you sit down and like try to turn it off, and you know it, it it's you can't turn it off because it's just doing what it's supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. But if you were to sit down and do a head clearing or a brain dump or a morning pages or um, a mind sweep, various names for the process, and just getting everything out of your head onto a piece of paper uh, in front of you, um, then your brain will know that it's captured somewhere and it doesn't have to keep reminding you of it. And then you can sit down to meditate and voila, your mind will be clear. And you can actually do get right down to the actual work of meditation, what meditation is supposed to be for rather than struggling uh, against uh, struggling against your brain's uh, natural mechanism to remind you of all the stuff that uh, needs your attention in some form. So essentially, you're, t- uh, you're suggesting that we should journal before we meditate every time, just so that our mind is clear. Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, as you mentioned it, yeah, that I mean, that could really be 
or i mean either one together actually like you know if you're journaling then you know try meditating afterwards if you're meditating try journaling before or journaling stream of consciousness or or just like like a brain dump is not it's not even complete sentences it's just anything you have to get out of your head like you know stuff to do or like ideas to write about content ideas or you know like errands or or things you, you know remind us things you don't want to forget just anything that is on your mind your brain is trying to remind you about like um, downloads yeah like what downloads right yeah yeah exactly yeah like ideas for you know that may have come from anywhere just any like if you're thinking about it write it down and then you know what if something <laughs> This, yeah and yeah and kind of gross but i think of it as a toilet paper pencil you keep writing stuff down until nothing else comes out <laughs> i like that yeah <laughs> yeah like a mind dump <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah uh so like i would think i would i would assume like um journaling and meditating that would be like an internal external um the internal external link you're talking about right Exactly. Like the meditation mm-hmm. is a you know a mind regulation for a mind body practice and the journaling is a an external information processing practice and yeah that's uh you you pointed to a connection that was right in front of me that I didn't even see but yeah like the the journaling uh and and meditation connection is is just like a perfect example of this link between how the internal and the external they're not in opposition to each other whatsoever they actually support each other they're interdependent meaning it's not like the <clears throat> uh it, it's it, and there's also there's like this idea that you know creative people are messy or sloppy which mm-hmm. actually is the opposite of the truth because uh if if you actually you know like look at how like like professional uh serious professional creatives work their workspace is meticulously organized in certain ways because you have to have the clear space to make a creative mess and uh when people think that they're like having a messy environment is like helping them be creative oftentimes they're not really being completely honest with themselves because it's actually cluttering up their thought space and causing them to have the same ideas over and over again mm-hmm. uh without actually moving things forward whereas if if all the clutter was cleared away the physical clutter the digital clutter the mental clutter whatever um and you had the clear space to to make a creative mess mm. and uh the the human brain is an infinite font of ideas in fact i i actually believe that all of us if like the the nature of the brain is just to generate ideas and we're generating ideas all the time but most of those ideas don't get captured in any effective way but if if we could build like a net around our heads to effectively like what i call a distributed cognition ecosystem to effectively capture and harvest and harness uh the the value of all the ideas our brains are continually throwing off just like we can capture them we can process them we can think about them further we can refine them into 
goals and projects and action steps, and then we can schedule those action steps and continually and 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 move those outcomes forward. We would all be, we all are like inherent creative geniuses if only we had the systems to capture our brain power effectively. Mm-hmm. And I know、uh, you use the term energetic hygiene. You know, like you're, you're telling us to, like,、uh, to, for example, in my life, when I notice that I have to detox, is because I want to let go and create space、uh, in my mental realm, just to to allow whatever I'm calling in to come in, like giving away clothes I haven't worn, or deleting emails, junk emails, or.、Um, Journaling about that thing that's bothering me, you know, that's been bothering me for a long time, or something that's on my heart, or、uh, washing your dirty clothes, or cleaning your room, doing the dishes, stuff like that, right? Is yeah, that what you're I, I, would, I, I, I would classify all of those things as as various forms of energetic hygiene in the broadest sense.、Um, mm-hmm. I I actually distinguish between.、Uh, Energetic hygiene and informational hygiene, and it's it's kind of a fuzzy distinction be, because、uh, th- this is actually all rooted in the uh, quantitative science uh, of uh, of thermodynamics and statistical mechanics and information theory, where、um, entropy、uh, is a measure of disorder. Um, and it's、uh, and it's it's both a measure of uh, uh, of non-free energy in the system, so it has units of energy, and it's also a、uh, a measure of information in the system. So, on a fundamental in a fundamental physical sense, energy and information are very closely related. Like Einstein came along and said.、Um, uh, Uh, space and time are one thing, and energy and matter are one thing.、Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then actually, space, time, energy, matter are one thing.、Uh, it it actually turns out that、uh, space, time, matter, energy, information are all one like fundamental physical substance in different forms.、Um, mm. <clears throat> But uh, to uh, uh, to bring it back down to earth a little bit,、uh, so what I what I call、uh, energetic hygiene. Well, actually, inf- informational hygiene is、uh, keeping your your distributed cognition ecosystem, keeping the information flowing through your environment. In other words, not letting things accumulate in the form of clutter or in the form of unprocessed inputs of whatever form. Whether it's like unopened envelopes or,、uh, or 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 voicemails or emails or whatever,、um, uh, uh, processing and moving things through, or even 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 as you've mentioned, like you know, like dirty laundry, you know, like it gets moved through and goes back into the、uh, closet and and whatnot.、Um, so. Uh, those those are all what I would call forms of informational hygiene, meaning you're keeping the uh, you're you're you're、uh, continually moving entropy out of your system, out of your distributed cognition ecosystem, out of your energetic informational field.、Um, 
and then inform or energetic and 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 the informational hygiene uh, relies on having a trusted system outside your head, a, a robust and reliable distributed cognition ecosystem, and uh, the set of habits, regular review and maintenance habits of um, reviewing and processing inputs and uh, acting upon them in a timely fashion. Those mm-hmm. are both the systems and the habits, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then energetic hygiene. And that's inspired action, right? Uh, in, you mean um, when you talk about it, that, is that inspired it, it, action or is for inspired action? That's mm-hmm. like what I was saying about the space to make a creative mess. Mm-hmm. When, when there's a blank, empty space, you know, like if you're looking at like a blank piece of paper, it draws out a lot more creativity than if you're looking at a piece of paper with you know all kinds of stuff written already written and scribbled on it, right? Uh, yeah. And which is like the inspired, it's like nature abhors a vacuum where there's an empty space. Yes, it inspires like some creative way of filling it. Mm-hmm. That just it happens. It's, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's part of being alive. It's not something we have to force or make happen. It's something we just naturally do as, mm-hmm. as living, breathing humans. Um, uh, but then what I call energetic hygiene is has to do with the mind body energy system and it's uh it depends on having a consistent personal daily mind body energetic hygiene practice mm-hmm. which uh is the what i consider to be the ideal mind body practice for most people is qigong uh, which is energy work and there's actually a specific process that I developed called your daily dose of qigong mm-hmm. that is uh, it's it's kind of like taking a shower every day if you uh, um, it's it's a uh, qigong is based on the three regulations of body regulation breath regulation mind regulation i.e. exercise breath work and meditation all rolled into a single activity so it's a good kind of multitasking mm. and so uh it's like just as a, like a once a day kind of ritual um takes no more time than taking a shower uh the combination of gentle exercise breath work and meditation um that is re- really required by all people just to maintain baseline physical mental emotional spiritual health wellness and fitness we all need some kind of practice like this and most sadly to say most people aren't getting it um but just having this as installed as a daily uh practice just like we all brush our teeth and um and uh and and bathe um uh this is uh this is how you keep your uh mind body energy system clear and tuned up is through uh this kind of daily practice Oh, that's great. And then I know, um, do you still have your Facebook group up, the seven day Qigong Nun Challenge? Yeah, well, um, the uh, best way to find that is actually uh, through my website, uh, mindbodymastery.academy. You can find the seven day Qigong Nun Challenge there, which is a great way to try out a qigong practice i'm a little bit like a drug dealer i think if you try it just a little bit you'll like it and you'll want to do it more 
but uh, you can actually sign up there to get uh, a sequence of emails. It'll send you just one short video per day. They're all under 20 minutes. That all you have to do is just watch and follow along. There's nothing to memorize. Uh, you don't have to worry about doing it right. You just watch and follow along, relax, enjoy the practice. Um, and there's a total of five videos um, that you get uh, once per day um, as a sequence of emails. Um, so you can just experience uh, what it's like to to have this kind of practice. Mm-hmm. So that's Mind Body Mastery Dot Academy, and then you look for uh, the seven day Qigong Nan Challenge, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And I want to go uh, to my favorite, one of my favorite duck psychology and how you use that to protect yourself and in uh, martial. You call it martial energetics. Uh, okay, so depth psychology in martial energetics, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to take this in a particular direction. It's not exactly that, but it's, I think it's, it, it gets us kind of in the ballpark of, of a holistic answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Um, uh, so, I mean, since you mentioned depth psychology, I mean, depth psychology, if we're speaking the same language, depth psychology is like the psychology of the unconscious, uh, AKA like Freud, Jung, um, and, and, uh, later waves of like kind of, uh, psychology of the unconscious more or less, uh, correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just to like tie this in because this actually relates to uh, transpersonal psychology and what I was saying earlier about the Stan's map of the uh, of the human unconscious. Like this is basically what Stan found. He describes this in in books and lectures and things. It's just like a very brief summarization of it. But he would, uh, <clears throat> and this was in doing the. <clears throat> LSD assisted psychotherapy with certain patients where he would do multiple sessions over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And he noticed this trend and he kept very detailed notes and any, any chance he got to like verify something that came up, if there was something that could be like empirically verified, Mm -hmm. he would always try to do it. And, and he collected many instances of information that turned out to be accurate. Like for example, somebody in a session had an experience of being a whale giving birth and it was somebody who had their job had nothing to do with the whales they were like a marine biologist they were just somebody who you know didn't know anything about whales but they they had a vision of being a whale giving birth and uh and they said something did you know the tail comes out first when a whale gives birth <laughs> and and Stan didn't know, but he looked up, and it turns out, yeah, when well, well, I guess birth, the tail comes out first. Um, there, like, so, like, whenever there was some kind of factual information like that mm-hmm. that he could verify from from what came up in these sessions, he always did, and he documented it through, mm-hmm. over over like literally a decade of doing this work. Mm-hmm. And and what he noticed was a trend where he would uh, start working with somebody and the first like kind of most recent trauma would come to the surface the most recent trauma that experienced in their life and it worked through that 
And they go back to some earlier trauma and they work through that over a period of sessions, over a period of time. And then they get to uh, like early childhood and traumas. They work through those things. And then they would get uh, back as far as infancy and even what he called the uh, perinatal. Uh, so like that whole phase of like what like what you remember from your lifetime back all the way back to toddlerhood and infancy is the uh, one of four stages, which is the uh, the autobiographical memory. Mm-hmm. So like what you remember of your life as you know as as a isolated egoic individual consciousness. That's uh, the first uh, uh, realm, and then when a person got to like got all the way back to like around the time they were born around and like even slightly before the time they were born the time they were in the womb uh that is what he called the perinatal realm and certain sense impressions would come like one guy said he smelled leather and then he talked to the guy's mother and it turns out that he was born in a leather shop um and uh there uh would be like impressions from in and around like the time of being in the womb and uh so it's autobiographical to uh perinatal to prenatal to like the, like time from like conception up until birth uh when certain impressions would come through and and then uh and then with further sessions uh the person would regress into the um, the transpersonal realm, mm. where they could be anything. They could be a person. They could be past lives. They could be a whale. They could be uh, a, an. Uh, um, they could be uh, angelic or, or uh, archetypal beings, or they could be universal consciousness or any anything. Like literally anything. Um, mm when they'd once they'd regress beyond that point so that's the whole realm of of transpersonal psychology and so like depth psychology is kind of like the middle two stages of that map of like the uh the perinatal and prenatal realm it's like not your autobiographical memory what you can consciously remember but it's like the pre-conscious and subconscious elements still from your lifetime so just uh sharing all that put in context this is kind of where when i when i said that the stan's map uh transcends and includes freud's and jung's maps like that's where depth psychology fits into the whole transpersonal psychology map of the psyche um so so what's the difference what's the main difference between astral realm and transpersonal realm You'd say that's the same thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, to, yeah, to not to get technical about it or anything, but <laughs> it's close enough to synonyms for our purposes, at least. Um, so, but getting back to the question you had actually asked. Uh, okay, so martial energetics is the martial science system that I developed that is primarily focuses on physical self-defense and personal protection. There is 
there is underlying it an energetic component, which is okay. So there's. In in martial energetics, there are two modes of training, two distinct modes of training, and one of those modes of training is of uh, uh, two person training. There's two two different modes of partner training, and one of those modes of partner training is. Uh, based on developing internal sensitivity and there's this it's it comes there's a term actually for this in chinese internal martial arts tingjing which essentially means listening energy but listening in the sense of sensing through touch mm. so meaning if you make um like you you want to make contact like the lightest contact possible so you can kind of feel what's going on in your counterpart, your partner, opponent, whatever, but light enough that they can't feel what's going on inside you. Mm. And like you want, so if you're more sensitive, you can, with a lighter touch, you can sense what's going on them without revealing what's going on inside of you. And uh, and that allows you to sort of preempt and, and respond and interfere with balance and structure, equilibrium and things like that. But it, essentially, martially, it gives you an advantage. If you mm-hmm. can feel, it's kind of like, you know, two countries are at war. There's, you know, the armies uh, that are marching around, but then there's the intelligence of, you know, the spies that, you know, are feeding information that allow the armies to be maximally effective. And so that's kind of like how the body, the arms and the legs are kind of like the armies marching around, but the more, uh, the more sensitive your intelligence is, the more sen- you know, intelligence agencies, you know, you're sensing through touch. And sight is an important component, but specifically, tingjing exercises are for developing touch sensitivity, which mm-hmm. is a huge, like, um, so it's, uh, I, I like to use uh, uh, analogies that sound like they come from the art of war, but it doesn't actually come from the art of war. But do you get what I'm saying about how they kind of like the, the physical limbs the arms the legs are like the armies but the the information about how your opponent is is composed internally and how they're going to respond and what they're going to do before they do it is uh is like the spy craft that allows the armies to be victorious so using using your intuition through your your body and i'm Put, I, I wouldn't put I wouldn't I wouldn't put the term intuition in there quite yet that that's that's a little bit further along I mean you yes you are developing your intuition but um, but the, really what I'm trying to get at is is like it's sensing through touch so it's not like intuition in the sense of some like psychic crystal ball it's like just like having being like a very sensitive touch like the princess in the pea uh you know where it's like she could feel the pea through all the 
different mat you know no matter how many mattresses she could still feel that little pee down under there right mm -hmm. because she was so sensitive it's like the more sensitive you are it's about developing the sensitivity to feel and there's nothing like esoteric or mystical or magical or energetic even about it it's like literally sensing through touch it's you know purely uh neurological it's like a neurological feedback loop mm -hmm. um that uh like most of us aren't used to developing certain people are like partner dancers like you know people who do any kind of partner dance are certainly used to developing <laughs> this kind of listening and sensing energy feeling you know listening to their partner and coordinating um but it's 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 that like that's the particular kind of skill that listening that's referred to by listening energy or tingjing drills in in chinese internal martial arts um mm -hmm. so um i'll put a pin in intuition and come back to that in just a second uh, because like how this works is like first like there's just a physical level of your physically putting hands on and sensing and feeling um and kind of working cooperatively at odds in a certain sense uh with another person um, ideally somebody who has a higher level of skill than you that they can transfer to you <laughs> is ideal um, yeah. but even if not i mean you can learn with anybody um uh e even if they have less skill than you do you can still learn from training with them uh the so so you, you develop this ability to i mean so essentially you know the person you have your hands on each other and you're trying to interfere with their structure their posture and with their equilibrium with their balance you're trying to like kink their structure make them bend over like make them tip over like kind of make make them be not trying to push them down or shove them away but just trying to get them off balance a little bit mm -hmm. well they're trying to do the same thing to you and so you learn to develop this kind of like sphere of centeredness and equilibrium and structure where even when they're trying to to fuck with it you can still maintain your center and equilibrium and structure and you also learn how to interfere with and 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 fuck with them at the same time uh mm. and and this is so so this like this type of drill this type of tingjing drill is is a physical drill but one thing that i've discovered and and, and i like to pass on is that everything in uh everything in this drill has psychological uh components and every psych every uh every psychological interaction has physical components so just like through this kind of drill you learn to like play with somebody's physical energy if somebody comes at you like with some kind of physical energy like they're trying to push or shove or or you know upset your balance and you like you learn how to play with that energy um uh and uh and kind of like have a conversation through through force and momentum and leverage and 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 like that um and that also has a psychological component so if somebody comes at you with like kind of aggressive psychological energy you can learn how to play with that energy and redirect it and 
and transform it and do different things with it. Mm, and then intuition. As you, so what happens? And this, like, this is not the selling point. It's not what, like, the system is advertised for. I'm just saying this is essentially a byproduct of learning physical self-defense skills. You are learning to establish these physical boundaries of structure and equilibrium. You're not allowing somebody to upset your your balance or 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 break your posture. Mm. Um, and you're also learning like psychological boundaries and and psychological centering and, and psychological uh, structure and alignment and posture at the same time. Just as because, as I said before, mind and body are two sides of the same thing. Uh, like it's working with one, you know, the other is shaped <laughs> inevitably, um, and. And so you you kind of learn these sort of psych like you can't help but learn these psychological self defense skills at the same time, and coming back to the thing about intuition, um, intuition being like kind of a more subtle sense mm-hmm. of things. Uh, one thing that I said about intuition when we talked before is intuition is like the portal to higher awareness to. Uh, like just undifferentiated consciousness, so to speak. But another way of looking at intuition is it's the, it's kind of like your deep mind. It's the the deep um, process, uh, subconscious process being run by the uh, vast, uh, massively parallel neural net pro- processor that we all have on board. That's mm-hmm. that's continually pattern matching and sending us signals in the form of feelings and images and it's actually a lot like these large language models that like you know the runs on a huge data set and pattern matches and intuition is not perfect it's not like a magic like crystal ball or anything it's it's essentially a, a pattern matching supercomputer and the more data it has to work with and the more accurate data it has to work with the more accurate results it gives so it's not that intuition is perfect or always right, but it's that intuition takes into account more than the rational mind can. Mm. And so intuition often sends signals that cannot be confirmed by the rational mind, but often turn out to be correct because intuition is informed by the rational mind. So the more, so it actually does help to learn and train your rational mind and to like, train your knowledge and awareness with as much data as possible because all of that will go to informing your intuition so your intuition isn't just something that like you're born with or some people have or some people don't the more uh the more you do something the more you develop your intuition with that if you're a mechanic and you the more you work on and fix cars the more intuition you'll have about cars you know uh, and the more you know you work with other people's bodies the more intuition you'll have about other people's bodies the more you sense other people's intent physically the more intuition you'll develop about other people's uh intent and so uh the way the way that i describe it is like and like the way my sifu was also it was like he was very down to earth and wasn't like he he was he was just teaching kung fu you know like <laughs> he wasn't teaching any kind of like spiritual arts or anything he didn't talk he never talked about chi or energy or anything like that uh but 
I mean, you know, we talked about force and leverage and uh, and physics um, and biomechanics. But mm -hmm. what happens is when you you develop sensitivity through training. So you, first you start to pay attention to your body, which most of us are like totally tuned out. <laughs> We're trained to tune out from childhood onwards to really tune out our body and the signals coming from our body. So first you learn to really tune into your body and, and you develop a sensitivity and awareness and you develop the sensitivity and awareness through touch. You develop first proprioception, which is the sense, like your body awareness, sense of where your body is in space. And then you develop your uh, 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 exteroception, which is um, sensing outwards and sensing through touch in particular, you know, being able to like relate to other bodies in space and uh, and then relate to different types of incoming forces and energies and, you know, energy in the physics sense, uh, 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 work, uh, over time, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, kilograms, meters per second square, you know, uh, energy in that sense, kinetic energy. Um, and, uh, and you, you develop greater and greater sensitivity. And, and as you start to develop sensitivity for the more gross forms of energy, like kinetic energy and momentum and physical energy moving through the body, eventually you start to develop the sense of more subtle forms of energy, both inside and outside of your body. And, and so where I'm going with this is that's where like ultimately intuition comes from is like when you develop, like when you develop not like a magic knowingness, but like you develop your actual sensitivity to things to where you actually perceive things that you would not have been able to perceive. Um, it's like if you uh, are a non, if you don't know how to read English letters and English words, you look at English on a page and it's just a bunch of like random characters, right? But if you know how to read it, then it's words and sentences and paragraphs and and it, and it talks to you. Um, and and the difference is not in you know the photons hitting the retina. It's not in what you know is being seen. It's uh, about what is um, what you're able to uh, be aware of and process in the incoming sense data. So the more you develop your perceptivity and sensitivity and your ability to read other people's energy uh, situations, sensations, you become aware of first the gross energy and then the more subtle sensations. And then, and then you use that and then once your intuition is refined, is like developed to that level, you can actually tune into the subtle sensations. Then the subtle sensations themselves become what guide your practice. 
And, and that's when you are able to become more or less self-sufficient in your practice, meaning you can learn from any teacher, but you don't need a particular teacher in order to continue your practice, in order to show you what to do. Because I mean, what a teacher can do is like point things out to you. It's kind of like a little experiment I like to do is, can you see your nose right now? Mm-hmm. In like in your view, in, in your peripheral vision, can you actually like see it directly? I can only see like a like a like a like a thing. faint outline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, and most people, when asked that question, they'll initially say no, mm-hmm. and then are you sure? Are you sure you can't see that faint outline? They go, oh yeah, that is there, and they and they can see it. And then once you see that, you realize actually you've been seeing it all along. You just didn't realize you were seeing it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the helpfulness of teachers. Teachers can point certain things out to you that are like there in your awareness. They're going to point to you, you know, this C-A-T spells cat. Mm. But once you have that subtle awareness, then your subtle awareness is what guides your practice. And you no longer need to follow like a prescribed teaching or pattern or form like the you your your own uh awareness can guide your own practice but the but the danger of just trying to like jump to intuition too fast is like if your intuition is not trained and refined Mm. high level mathematicians rely a lot on intuition but you you don't have high level mathematical intuition unless you've gone through you know the the training (laughs) to be a mathematician right um Mm. That's where the, tra- the the intuition comes from, having gone through the training uh, and and internalized. Because theoretically, you could like just like you could lock yourself away in a room with a bunch of paper and and reinvent calculus given enough time and motivation. But it would take multiple lifetimes. And likewise, you could reinvent all this internal knowledge that the Taoists and and others have been. Uh, cultivating and recording for thousands of years but it would take lifetimes <laughs> to get to where you could get just you know from learning from a teacher or teachers um, to to develop the level of internal sensitivity to where then yes you're like once your intuition is highly enough developed and refined then you can use it to guide your own training to higher and higher levels of insight and integration awesome yo thank you dan um you just went through all my talking points like you just carried through i guess that's part of synchronicity um so thank you so much uh so babe you are hearing uh that's dan domio from mindbodymastery.academy if you want to uh work with him or get more information he posts a lot on facebook and also on his website you can connect with him there. And of course, this podcast has been sponsored by Mental Alchemy Academy, a place where you um, master your energy in the mental realm, you know, and activate your autonomy. And I know Dan talked a lot about self-defense, a lot about a spiritual um, emergency, a lot about um, the mind sweep. He talked about the... T- t- uh, how do you spell it? Tinjing, 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 yeah, T I N G, J I N G, which is yeah. a bastardization of the actual Chinese pronunciation, but that's how it's spelled. It, it means listening energy. 
Yeah. Okay. So I learned something new today. Uh, flow state. You you also talked about hyperspace, which is this um this the space you go when you close your eyes and you see that uh visual image. That's almost like it's not there, but it's there, right? Well, when you, it's it's when you're in a psychically open enough state that you kind of like go into another dimension or another realm behind your eyes. It's almost like closing, like your eyes are 3D goggles or something, and you close your eyes, you're in this like other like 3D space. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you remind me, I didn't actually tie in the flow states thing, um, which has to do with so flow state is you know state of optimal performance for whatever activity essentially. Two, so state management, regulating body, breath, and mind, is what enables you to. Uh, to constantly manage your state and to activate flow states at will in any activity, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and the uh, which is, which is what the personal daily mind body practice uh, allows you to develop is is that ability to mm-hmm. manage your state and activate flow states at will and the external uh, the distributed cognition ecosystem the trusted system outside your head. That uh, there there are both internal and external factors to flow state. There are internal factors that need to be in place. And there are also external environmental factors that need to be in place uh, in order for flow states to reliably happen as well. And that's I actually gave a whole talk recently on flow states and like the the classical flow state triggers are studied, which are what I studied in labs, are the kind of environmental factors that need to be in place and the internal factors of what do you do with your body breath and mind to uh trigger flow states or the realm of internal martial arts and qigong and and Taoism and other practices like that so um the internal and the external together are both what allow you to activate flow states at will and to be able to maintain them reliably All right. Now that's a wrap for uh, today's uh, episode of Life with Three Venus. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you can take along when the next portal opens. All right. See you on the other side. So, babe.